I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Today, we are talking about celebrating the 25 days of Christmas with guest Joshua Straub. It's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. Even in the midst of a challenging 2020, I believe that there's something that we can celebrate, and it's the birth of Christ. Even though many of the things that typically mark the season have been stripped away, I encourage you to use the next month to reconnect with your family and your faith. One of the ways you can do this is by observing Advent. It's the anticipation of Christ's birth in the days leading up to Christmas. This year, Advent begins on Sunday, November 29th, and it ends on Thursday, December 24th. On and off throughout the years, I've participated in Advent, sometimes on my own and other times with my kids. When I've made time for it, it has always been meaningful. It has helped me intentionally walk through a month that can quickly become a blur of hustle and bustle. Thankfully, there are so many incredible resources out there that can help you do this. Last week, I let you know about Truth in the Tinsel. Check out that episode if you haven't. And now I'm sharing with you 25 Days of the Christmas Story, written by guest Joshua Straub and his wife, Christy. In my conversation with Josh, we talk about making Advent more than just another Christmas story you read and what a parenting win looks like while trying to do all the things. If you're looking for resources beyond the ones I shared on this and last week's podcast, head over to the show notes and download the Advent guide I created. It features a handful of books, activities, email, and audio devotions from my online friends. There are resources in there for all members of your family, not just the little ones. Oh, and by the way, if adding an Advent practice to your holiday feels overwhelming, I get it. In the past, I've let that keep me from doing it. But I know it is possible to find the right way for you and your family to do it without all the stress. I'm sharing those best practices and tips over in the Build Your Best Family Facebook group. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. This week, consider what's on your plate this holiday season and think about what a parenting win looks like for you. What is one simple thing you would like to achieve in your family over the next few weeks? Let's talk more about it on Instagram or in the Build Your Best Family community group. Do you get stressed out during the holiday season? Are you overwhelmed by the number of things to get done and the people to please? It doesn't have to be that way. Instead of going with the flow this holiday season, you can embrace the activities that produce the holiday experience that's right for you. Our one word for the season worksheet will walk you through choosing your one word to help you navigate your holiday with success. Head over to the show notes or go to www.buildyourbestfamily.com to get your copy today. Today, I'm talking with Joshua Straub. Josh is most renowned for his role as husband and dad. He is also a recovering human, an ongoing journey that includes therapy, coaching, a tight-knit faith community, and staying fit. On stage, Josh is a speaker, author, marriage and leadership coach, and a podcast and TV co-host. He and his wife, Christy, lead Famous at Home, a company equipping leaders and corporations in emotional intelligence and healthy family systems. Josh is also a fellowship of the Townsend Institute for Leadership and Counseling. 
Josh is the author and co-author of six books, including Safe House, How Emotional Safety is the Key to Raising Kids Who Live, Love, and Lead Well. He and his wife, Christy, host the Famous at Home podcast and co-wrote a recent children's book to help parents foster emotional awareness in kids called What Am I Feeling? Welcome, Josh. It's fantastic to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. So a question that we ask all our guests, and I'm going to ask you, is what is your family known for? That's a great question. You know, it's funny. I was thinking through that question as it relates to our family. You know, I, if you'd ask someone outside, I would hope that they would say that that we're that we love our neighbors well, that we love people well. And and I think, you know, as you look at our kids and you look at our family, that's really what we hope to do, especially as it relates to our faith and how we love others. That, yeah, that we just really pursue making sure that we're caring for people mm-hmm. in a in a in a God honoring uh, way. So yeah. yeah. What is it that you guys like to do together? Man, we're adventurous. Adventure is one of our family values. And so, you know, we have five family values. It is faith and family are the first two. So we filter everything through faith and family. Mm-hmm. And then the other three are adventure is one of those. So we love being on the lake. We 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 spend as much time on the lake as we possibly can. We're water people. And so, especially during the summer and, and uh, fall and spring, you'll see us as much as we can to be on the lake. And then the other two are empathy and integrity. So empathy mm-hmm. really is that loving other people well, stepping in the shoes of other people and really being able to have a good listening ear. You know, one of the big things that we teach our kids is James 119 says to be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. And our culture today is filled with anger. It's filled yeah. with people with voices and there's very little listening going on. Yeah. And so our heart is if we can raise kids who, who, who can live out that, I think it's the most sanctifying verse in all of scripture. If we can live that verse, we're, we're, we're crushing it. And so, mm-hmm. so that's really where the heart is behind that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. So you're here today to talk to us about Advent. So for those of us who don't know, I want you to tell us about Advent. I grew up in a Christian home, but we did not follow the liturgical calendars. I went to a non-denominational church, started in someone's house, moved to their garage, you know, the whole, the whole story. And so we just didn't, we, we did the, the holidays, but we didn't do any of these other things that marked the rhythm of the year. So fill us in about what is Advent and why is it important? Yeah. And, and I grew up in a very similar home. I grew up in a nominal Christian family. We didn't really follow these types of, of, of calendars, but for the first time really in our lives that we started, you know, you start paying attention to it more when you have kids and you start paying attention to what, what values are instilling in your kids. And, mm-hmm. and, and so it, it's really fascinating because the timing of when I started really paying attention to Advent, my dad passed away four years ago in November. Uh, we just celebrated the four year anniversary of him. Jesus taking him and him going to heaven. And, and, and for me during that season, I just genuinely wanted to understand where he was. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I went to, I went to seminary, you know, had a massive thick theology book with like two pages, you know, committed to understanding heaven. And after that time, I just really wanted to know, like, what does it mean? What, what, what does it look like? And what will the, you know, coming time be? Where's my dad now? And that type of thing. And, and so we, you know, we, we really got to a place of, of, of realizing and learning. And it's something that our family has now, it's almost like when my dad crossed over, it was like this impartation of like the understanding of the second coming. There will be a new earth. We will live on a new earth where all tears will be wiped away. All pain will be wiped away. And we will be living together on a new earth. This is a fully embodied earth, not some, you know, disembodied heaven. This is a fully embodied new earth that mm-hmm. we will live on. And to cast that vision, that's what the second coming is all about. 
Advent literally means coming. And so when, when, you know, prior to the second coming, the first coming through for history, for centuries, people were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. They were waiting for the coming of Jesus. And that's what Christmas is all about. It's the waiting for the coming of the birth of Jesus. And so we're celebrating for those first number of weeks and the days leading up to, to Christmas, the coming Mm-hmm. of the Messiah, because he had been prophesied about, he had been told about. And now really what it is for us, because we know Jesus came, we know he was born on this earth. And so we celebrate his birthday at Christmas. But now it's also about preparing our hearts for the second coming and and preparing our hearts and our minds mm-hmm. and our souls and getting ready for when he's going to come back, because he's yeah. going to come back again. So yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I, we are such an instantaneous culture too. And the idea of waiting and purposely anticipating something, I can is is foreign sometimes to my children. <laughs> it's well, and and you and and you're so right. And it's foreign to us as adults too, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it's we want we want what we want now. And I mean, it's it's everywhere. I mean, yeah. you 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 know, you sit in a drive-through for more than thirty seconds, and you're ticked off at the people because they don't have your food ready fast right. enough, right? I mean, right. that's the culture we live in. And so, but there's a sense of waiting as a verb. Waiting is a verb in mm-hmm. scripture. And so, the idea that as we wait, God is doing something in us and building us relationally. There's a mm-hmm. relationship that's being nurtured, and 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 that's really what life is all about. And so often in our culture, we miss it. Because we are impatient, mm-hmm. you know, we are waiting for something else to, you know, mm-hmm. we, we have this dopamine rush in our brain. We have yeah. to be fulfilled right away, you know. And mm-hmm. the reality is, is when we when we're deeply loved and we experience that deep love and we experience that relationship and the fun, there's such a beautiful part of that 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 mm-hmm. uh, that, that we're building up for as we're waiting for the for the, our relation as we're waiting for the return of Christ, but we're also. Yeah building our relationship with him in that process and, be, yeah. and becoming more like him, getting to know him better, getting to know one another better. Yeah. It's really about family. So, And I think this year is a great year to start a practice of Advent only because of all the restrictions that we're either yeah. in or anticipating, unfortunately. And we have more time at home, more time to cultivate this waiting and faith traditions. And so I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm somewhat excited because, I mean, I am and I'm not. So lots of things that we wanted to do are canceled. There's not going to be big parties. There's not going to be take for us taking the train into Manhattan to see shows like we do every year. And so what do yeah, we fill that yeah. with? And I, I love that this is, mm. for me, this is an optimal year to introduce this and just want to explore this with my family. Yeah. Yeah. And one uh, interestingly, one of the things that we're doing, and I'm sure this is something we'll get to, but you know, in the 25 days of the Christmas story, one of the family activities that we have in there, in fact, it's it's really the very first one, the mm-hmm. very first activity we have in there. So so we do it chronologically. We we write the we we bring characters of the Christmas story into mm-hmm. it 25 days leading up to Christmas. Mm-hmm. And the first one is Isaiah, because he's the first one to prophesy about the coming Messiah. Yeah. And he describes him as Emmanuel, God with us. And and when when you look at at who you know God with us, God is with us in the midst of our grieving right now. And the first activity is asking your kids to sit down and 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 draw a picture of of something that they've lost or or a situation where they felt fearful or scared or or that type of thing. And if you think about like, I mean, we're in the same boat. Like I I don't I love I don't get to visit the city the way you do because mm-hmm. I don't you know. But but 
through the years, I love visiting New York City at Christmas time. It's so magical. It's like so many amazing things. If that is a routine of mine or whatever your routine is, no matter where you live, you're missing those things. I mean, you think about it, even as silly as your kids not being able to sit on Santa's lap this year. Like Mm -hmm. it's not silly when you realize you're grieving something. And so for all of us to be able to draw a picture of what it is we're grieving, but then to be able to to draw that picture with Emmanuel, God with us, God is with us in our grief. God is Mm -hmm. with us in our loss. He Mm -hmm. wants to spend time with us. He wants to be with us. And when we imagine that there's a sense of hope because you're saying, God, how can we turn this pain, this grief into joy? Because if we don't grieve it, we're not going to be able to experience joy on the other side of it. When we numb our negative emotions, mm-hmm. when we numb those negative emotions, we also numb the positive ones. Yeah. And so our ability to step into the grief, to step into the pain, draw a picture of it as a family, talk about it, is what enables us to then step into joy. Maybe a dance party in your home, being able to recreate Manhattan in your home yeah. um, during this Christmas season in a way that you create a memory you otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah. Well, that's a good idea because we do have to come up with something to replace that because it's often the gift we give our our parents, me and my husband's parents, you know, because they don't need anything. So what are we going to do instead? <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah, big question yeah, this yeah. year. Yeah, no, it's for sure. Creating yeah. experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So was there anything in particular that inspired you to write the 20 days of the 25 days of the Christmas story? You know, I think for me, one of the biggest things, and it's funny because I started, like, I literally started writing these in the weeks following my dad's death. And I think part of that was my own therapy, you know, for myself, it was part therapy, it was part therapeutic, it was also part, I I wanted to teach my kids the real story of Christmas. There were so many different ways that even in the church that we manipulate or have a misunderstanding of the Christmas story, mm-hmm. even theological, you know, misunderstandings of, of, you know, Jesus and his birth and that type of thing. That I just wanted to, I just wanted to teach it the right way. I wanted to learn what, 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 what did it truly mean that Jesus was born in a stable? What did that mean? What did that look like? You know, it's not a wooden barn that we would think of today. You know, it's part of a, it's a guest house off of a, you know, off of a house, you know, where, where people stayed, but you know, where they brought the animals in from the outside to keep them warm. You know, there's just things like that, that you're like, okay, it wasn't really in a barn way off out in the middle of nowhere, you know, it, it, it you know, so what is it? What do these things mean? What do these things look like? So that was one of the desires of, of wanting to write this was to teach the true Christmas story in a way that brought it to life and brought it off of the pages where we could do family activities with our kids. Because with ki- our kids were really small back then. I mean, they still are. They're eight and six and then we have a newborn. But, you know, when they're really small back then, they're like, you know, three and five or whatever, or even younger than that. And sitting and reading a story to them, you know, they're kind of off and they're looking around or looking at the ceiling and do it, you know, and you're like, does this, did this really land? But when you take an activity or you ask them a question and you make it come alive to them, it triggers the neurological parts of the brain that bring it into experience. And that mm-hmm. was part of, of, of why we did this is we wanted them to experience the Christmas story as much as listen to it in, in words. Yeah. And so I'm assuming that's why you have so many different types of activities in the book, right? You have activities for the readers to do. Can you share with us a little bit? I mean, you shared one with us, but can you share a few more? And then how did you come up with these? Yeah. So we did activities based upon, there's an activity for every day for all 25 days. Mm -hmm. And, and, and if you're a parent, you're like, oh my gosh, I have no time to do activities every single day. That's fine. Like you do, like, this is not a, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. If you're doing this, 
either. You know, you take and you do what you can. You know, some of those include a birthday party for Jesus. You know, it's as it's as elaborate as putting together, you know, and planning a birthday cake and planning a birthday party and getting the ingredients mm. to be able to do that. Others are as simple as sitting down with a piece of paper around the table, as I just mentioned, and drawing a picture. There's one that we that we created where and again, they came out of the desire to, you know, my PhD is in counseling. So I have a counseling background. And and so there's a sense of understanding that true growth happens when we're thinking, feeling and relating at the same time. So if you're just thinking about something and you're just listening audibly to a story, it's not as likely to land as when there's an experience around it, mm-hmm. when they're feeling mm-hmm. something, like, yeah. right? And so, so we wanted to try to bring that to life in such a way that our kids were thinking and feeling and also relating with us at the same time, because there's memory to that. Mm-hmm. And so one of the other activities is, is, for example, trusting God. You know, what does it mean to trust him? What does it mean for him to, you know, I think this might even be with David because he's, uh, you know, from the line of David. So King David is a character in here in one of the days and, and, and which means, you know, God is my deliverer. He's, he's delivering us. And, and we wanted to build an idea around trust and what does it mean for God to deliver us, especially when we don't feel like he's, you know, maybe with us in a situation 2020, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, God, are you here? Like, what's going on? And so one of the things that we did was we created an activity where, you know, we would blindfold our kids and teach them what, you know, kind of like a trust fall, except it's a little bit more of an experience. Mm -hmm. So we would, we would lead them in, you know, into the sink blindfolded and, and they would listen. So, so you're teaching them how to use their senses, their taste, their smell, Mm -hmm. their, their, their touch, right. To, to get an experience of, of what's going on, but they're doing this blindfolded. So they, they're, they're heightened to the other senses around them because we can't see God. Right. And so we wash their hands. And so they're hearing it and they're washing their hands and we help dry them. We then lead them, you know, to where they smell a candle or they smell something and they, Mm -hmm. you know, and we keep asking them, do you still trust us? Do you still trust us? And then we ultimately, you know, we tell you an activity to bake their favorite dessert, you know, ahead of time and finally lead them into the kitchen and and say, now, do you really trust us? You know, open your mouth. They Mm -hmm. open their mouth and you put their favorite dessert in and, and they're like, oh my gosh, yes, you know, it's amazing. And just the idea that we can taste and know that the Lord is good, that even though that we can't always see him in our circumstances, he's yeah. always leading us in our best interest. And he's always leading us to the good, even though it doesn't always feel like it, we can trust him. And mm-hmm. so that's another activity. So, so those are the types of, of, of ways that, that we bring it to life. Oh, it's so fun. And so you've also included discussion questions, which I love. Yeah. Everybody kind of rolls their eyes when I'm like, okay, question time. What do you yeah. think are the most important conversations we should be having with our kids during this time? Man, I'm telling you, I just think there's so much, there's so much, there's a wealth of mystery of of, of a world of activity and thoughts and feelings going on within our kids. Mm-hmm. And I always go back to Deuteronomy 6, you know, Moses talks about the four key times of the day where we don't have to add anything to our day to, to, to parent and to add all these things. It's like, this isn't overwhelming. Like we're already with our kids when they wake, we're already with our kids during meal times. We're already with our kids, yeah. you know, during drive times and bedtime, bedtime, I believe is the most vulnerable part of a day for a child. And so, you know, we have the questions in there, but one of the things I constantly say is, is if you can be asking them questions at bedtime, when you tuck them in at night, lay with your kids for a couple minutes, you have to get mm-hmm. past the mumble jumble and some of the silliness. But once you do, and you start asking your kids questions, man, the, the, what's going on, what's really going on in their heart and in their mind starts to come to life. 
Mm-hmm. And so I just talk about it, you know, these discussion questions are really out of the, you know, they're, they're connected to the story. And so, you know, you can ask them after you've done it, you can ask them at bedtime, but a lot of times what I'll do in discussing these things or, or asking these questions is just put a puzzle piece together about their day. You know, what did you see? What did, you know, what, you know, what, what did you experience next? You know, always use the senses. What did you feel? What did you see? What did you taste? What happened next? It's like, you're putting, trying to put a puzzle together. Mm-hmm. They had a puzzle from the day and you have little pieces and you're trying to piece together without interrogating them, but just asking them, you know what, well, then tell me then about that. And, you know, you're inquisitive and you're interested and, and, and you can really get your kids will really start to talk in some respects yeah. when, when we're able to, to, to navigate that and try to put the puzzle together. Yeah, for sure. Bedtime is a fantastic time to connect with your kids. Yeah, <clears throat> I was always struggling also with trying to stay time. awake. If they wanted me to lay down with them, I'd be like, no, you don't understand. Yeah. I still have to do the dishes. Like, <laughs> yeah, Yes, there's that. And then there's also where bedtime can be such a chaotic, the most chaotic time uh, of the day. I know. You just want to pull your hair out. The last <laughs> thing you want to do is lay down with them. I know. So you have to find the balance. Yeah. Yes, for sure. All right. So for our listeners who are already feeling a bit overwhelmed, and, and you did touch on this a little bit already, by just everyday life, the holiday season, what does it look like to have a parenting win? So such a great question. You know, I would say find one thing during the day that, that, that you feel like you genuinely connected with your kids. And, and these are happening in, in the mundane moments. You know, you know, one researcher found that Stanley Greenspan, he's a, a, a researcher who found that 20 minutes of command free time a day is gold for a child's brain. Mm. So just spending 20 minutes a day with your children, entering into their world, doing what they want to do is gold for their brain. Now you might have 12 kids, you know, like, how am I going to spend 20 minutes a day with all 12 kids, you know, individually, and it's impossible. And, and I get that, but, but the key is, is, is looking at, can you use bedtime to ask one simple question where your child just all of a sudden opened up to you in a profound way with one simple Mm -hmm. question? Mm -hmm. I think those bedtime questions are gold in the sense that if you can just spend five minutes there, you can easily get a parenting win turning a screen off during, during dinner times or meal times, like just saying no screens allowed. We don't, we have a no screen role in our house for, yeah. for meal times. You know, some of the conversation that happens is just, is beautiful. Now, the other thing too, is you can't expect if, if screens had been allowed, you can't expect, you know, the first night that you do this to be all hunky dory and everybody's doing great. And, you know, your expectations are through the roof. You know, it's, it takes time to create some of these rhythms, Yeah. but, but these simple parenting wins, you know, let me give you a quick example. There was a uh, a moment uh, a couple weeks ago where I had a webinar, and I was it was I, the webinar was starting at six p.m. It was ten till six. I had been working the entire day, and I the only thing I had really been out for was dinner, and then I had to come back in and do a webinar in the evening. And our daughter came down, and she gives me a hug, and she says, "Daddy, I miss you. I really want to play with you." And and it's ten till six. I have ten minutes till the webinar starts. I was, I was logged in. I had it set up and I looked at her and I said, what would you like to do? Cause by the time the webinar would have been over, she would have been asleep. Yeah. And, and she said, I just want to play Uno or something. I said, come on, let's go get the Uno cards. Let's go do it right now. Top of the steps. I have 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And so we got the Uno. We ran to the top of the steps until five fifty nine fifty eight. I played Uno. I ran down, jumped on the zoom, jumped on the webinar. And it was the most fulfilling 10 minutes of my day. And, and it was, it was 10 minutes of fuel for her to just get her to bed and make her feel so loved and happy. And it was 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And, and so when your kids ask you to do something, John Gottman talks about this, when your kids ask you to do something, 
ask yourself the question, why not? Mm. And if you can't come up with a legitimate answer, let the memory unfold, press into where they are. We get so busy and so distracted that don't let the spirit of distraction ruin your day. Step in, press in and simply say yes. Yeah. That's good. You'll often hear me say, well, my teen asked me to do something. The answer is going to be yes. Like, you know, I love it. 100%. I'm like, sure. I'll take you to the store. Sure. Because then that's like you said, when they open up and when you have time with them and I don't regret ever saying yes to any of them. It's the mundane moments. Yeah. Right. It's the mundane moments. It's when you're taking them to the store. It's when you're doing Mm -hmm. these things, when you never thought they would be, you know, you're like, oh, this is going to be a mundane trip to the store. And all of a sudden you have the best conversation you've ever had with your teenager because they opened up. You did yeah. something. You said yes. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Thank you for That's sharing good. that. That's good. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. This was so great to get to talk to you about the 25 days of Christmas story and just about our children and sewing into them in general. It's fantastic. Thank you so much, Kimberly. It's always an honor. You can find Josh at www.famousathome.com. He's on Instagram as at famousathome and at Joshua dot straub he's also on facebook as at dr josh and christy i'll link to all of this plus 25 days of the christmas story in the show notes if you want to dig deeper into what we talk about on the podcast each week check out the build your best family facebook group it's where we hang out with some fabulous women and we practice what we've learned there's also encouragement group coaching and incredible resources there too Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose.